Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm Gilda Evans, bringing you the Autism Resource Podcast. This podcast and the ARP website are your one-stop knowledge and resource base for autism and much more. I'm happy to have Eddie Tadouri as my guest today. Eddie is a career musician who has worked with many of the world's great entertainers, both touring and in countless recordings spanning over 50 years, people such as the Beach Boys, Rick Nelson and the Stone Canyon Band, Freddie Fender and Charlie Rich, and Michael McDonald, to name a few. He has received many awards, including Volunteer of the Year by the U.S. Committee for UNICEF, the California Governor's Committee Michael Landon Award for accurately portraying people with disabilities in the media, and the Academia Cotopaxi Global Citizen Award, which is bestowed on an individual who has made a significant contribution to the betterment of humanity in Ecuador and the world. Eddie is no stranger to living with a disability and is the founder of the Rhythm Arts Project known as TRAP, which he created to help neurodiverse and disabled individuals overcome learning issues and address cognitive, emotional, and physical challenges. Welcome, Eddie. And thank you so much for taking time to join me today to discuss your organization and the important work that you do. I'm honored. Thank you, Gilda. I think this is terrific. Every chance I get to talk about the Rhythmic Arts Project is a blessing to me. So to begin with, can you please tell me about the beginnings of your organization and perhaps a bit about your own story and what inspired you? Well, <clears throat> I think, as you mentioned, I was a career musician. Uh, I played for a living my whole life. Uh, it's funny how people uh, wonder about that. They say, well, you, were you famous? You know, because uh, I played with a lot of famous people. I worked for them. I was a sideman. And I did work a lot. And uh, making a living as a drummer or as a guitar player, a keyboard player, that, I mean, that's, that's an amazing feat. You don't necessarily, most of the people are not famous. They're worker bees like me. So that, that was really what my life in music uh, consisted of. I mean, I made a lot of records. I did a lot of touring. I had, I had all the limos and Learjets and all of that. But uh, honestly, uh, it was a, a labor of love, and I worked really hard at it, and I did it my whole life until uh, at, at, right after my 50th birthday, Actually, I was touring with Jimmy Messina. You might remember Loggins and Messina. Sure do. Jimmy and I have been playing together for a long time. and uh, uh, We were on the road. We were working. We were recording. It was a life. It was a good life. And I lived at the beach here in uh, Santa Barbara. One day I went out and I caught a very bad wave. Long story short, the wave snapped my neck and... Uh, I was three feet underwater. I was totally paralyzed and there wasn't anyone there. And I was 20 yards out. And the near-death experience is really hard to articulate, no matter how many times I try. But it was a beautiful experience. I felt like I was in God's hot tub. I can't express uh, what it felt like any more clearly than that. But uh, I was... Alone, I was lifted from the bottom, placed at the shore, gently, where the lifeguard with the most seniority on the Central Coast happened to be on duty. Then the paramedic 
with the most seniority on the Central Coast happened to be on duty. We went to the hospital where the best neurosurgeon, Dr. Scott Connor, happened to be there, and we did an emergency operation. But six hours later, I woke up in the ICU, totally paralyzed from the neck down. No. And they had no, you know, they couldn't tell me whether I would uh, recover. They couldn't tell me anything, really. And I, uh, after having experienced this wonderful uh, uh, near-death experience, wasn't afraid. There was no trepidation. I, I knew I'd be okay. I was the only one who believed that. But in fact, uh, they sent me after a week or 10 days uh, into the ICU, they sent me to the rehab here in Santa Barbara. And uh, I was still paralyzed, totally paralyzed. And uh, to make a long story short, after uh, about three weeks, I started coming back. My, my right hand uh, came back first. I could wiggle a toe. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm coming all the way back, guys. Don't worry about me. You know, and they were all. Uh, I mean, the psychiatrist came and said, Eddie, you're going to really have to deal with this. You know, you're probably going to spend your life in a wheelchair. You should start acclimating to the uh, reality that this this may be your life. And I said, well, you know, I, I really respect you guys. I love you. I love what you do. Uh, you, you, your kindness is overwhelming, but you're wrong. You're all wrong. I'm going to walk out of here. Uh, Six weeks later, about six weeks later, I walked out with a cane. I walk with a cane. I'm a little goofy physically, but it hasn't stopped me. The, the Rhythmic Arts Project started, for me, it started the minute my neck snapped underwater that day. It's been a divinely guided situation for me from, from that moment until this, all this time. Uh, we started in the rehab in, in a mat room where we used to go every day as part of our regular, once I was up in a wheelchair and able to, to uh, partake in the, in the rigorous schedule of rehab. Uh, one of those rooms, uh, at that point we had brought drums and, and instruments and, and started gathering therapists and people in that room. And we were just, Play. It wasn't a drum circle kind of thing. I don't understand drum circles entirely. That's not something I've ever done. What we did was ensemble, and the various uh, therapists would use uh, the, the ideas to address focus, memory, attention, balance, rehab goals. So uh, that was all uh, very interesting to everyone, and I started taking notes and uh you know, I could I could go on and on and on about this story, but when I got out of the hospital, I kept working with the recreational therapist that helped me. Her name was Libby Whaley. Libby Whaley and I started showing this uh, idea to different therapists at uh, conventions and so forth. And little by little, it started gaining uh, uh, a lot of attention. And I started moving around to different situations. I went to uh, a school uh, in Pasadena, California, where I met a couple of wonderful therapists, one a developmental therapist, the other a recreational therapist. They put it to, to use. I brought drums and some interest, instruments, 
They had 26 children with a plethora of diagnoses. Autism was prevalent in those children and everything else from fragile X and just Down syndrome, everything. So it was a learning ground for me to work with these therapists and all these children and all the different disabilities. I began to learn and read and listen and ask a lot of questions. So I have no background in this. I hadn't. And so I actually stayed there for six years. I also worked at the ARC uh, in Ojai. It was a place called the Enrichment Center where a woman there who had been with Dr. Lavas from Applied Behavioral Analysis brought that element into the teaching. I, I had the best people. I surrounded myself with the best people. I, was, I feel like I was placed in all these places where people could teach me, where they could guide me, where I could make these kind of decisions in, in my students' lives as well as my own. And so uh, I, I just felt really blessed all these years to have been surrounded by, by expertise, excellence, by wonderful, kind, giving, glorious people to me. That's how it started. Well, that is absolutely an amazing story. I mean, really talk about mind over matter. Uh, talk about determination. Um, really incredible. Um but I do want to know more about the process, about how you work with your students. And also, do you work both in person and remotely? So people who may not happen to be in your particular geographic area can also access this program and realize the benefits that it has to offer. Yes. So but we, we work hands-on. Uh, sometimes if it's local, teachers come here, administrators come here, and I do classes right in my office. Uh, but remotely, I work every week. One of my new students, what we've done, I mean, to just get fast forward a little bit, once the students uh, have excelled in the program and the methodology, what do we do next? Well, we make them teacher's assistants and or we teach them to teach. I have two young men, both around 25, 26 years old, one in New York, one who is here, and they teach the program. Ben teaches here in uh, in Carpinteria, and then he used to teach in Ohio and in Ventura High School. He teaches other children, other young adults with autism, the, the Rhythmic Arts Project. He comes here and learns, he's been coming here for a few years, uh, my new guy is uh, Daniel, and Daniel is uh, in upstate New York, and we're on Zoom every week. So, yes, we do use Zoom uh, quite a lot, really. So uh, I teach in Africa. I have students in Africa and teachers that I'm teaching there. Uh, in, in South America, in Canada, and all over the United States, and Thailand. So uh, Zoom really comes in, especially during the pandemic. We used it all the time. It was the only uh, mode of operation then. It's not as good. I, I admit, it's just, it's not as good because this program is about creating trust and a bond with your student. I get very close to my students. 
If I'm working within a semicircle, I don't speak from the head of the class, so to speak. I will go to each student if the if it's very remedial in the beginning and they're learning how to count to four. Of course, we use a drum. The drum is the tactile component of the learning curve. So we have a visual. I'll show them a visual that has four quarter notes written on a chart, and it's labeled one, two, three, four, very clearly. I show them the visual, and we have the drum. So that's the visual. Don't look at the drum as the drum, but the tactile component of the learning curve. You see it when you hit the drum, you feel it, so you're feeling the lesson. It's a drum, so you hear it, so it's auditory. And you combine that with speech, visual, tactile, auditory, combined with speech. This is a, a multi-sensory redundance of information, really. But it helps us to not only learn, but retain that lesson. This, that's, that's how the methodology works out from the very beginning until the end. That's, that's the first exercise in the book, how to count. We count to four, then we count to eight. We do some basic, simple mathematics, and we move on to laterality. So the next lesson is right from left. So now the quarter note is labeled R for right, and the next quarter note, L for left, right, left, right, left, then right, right, left, left, right, left, 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 right, right. There's four pages in that exercise. And we never do hand over hand. We never help. We do use tactile prompts, but we don't grab their hands or move anything for them. We may lightly touch their hands. And then if I'm touching the right hand, I'll put my right hand on their right hand, my left hand on their left hand. If it's a right, I'll take my right hand off and they'll hit one. Then put my, then I'll say left and I'll take my left hand off and they hit that. So there's very, uh, this, this is a structured guidance, but it's very gentle. It's never uh, forced or hand over hand, really. So that uh, quarter note then leads us to colors. We, we start identifying red, green, black, and blue. Now the quarter note is red, green, black, and blue. And we put it on four drums. We show them the chart. The chart has a quarter note, has the quarter notes in colors starting with red, blue, black, and green. Then it might be red, blue, black, black, or black, blue, green, red. And they have to follow that. So there's a, there's a, a bunch of uh, pages in color because they're, they're really fun. It's, it's something that people really enjoy a lot too. Uh, yeah, I, I, the accents are something. When I first started going around the country with this 25 years ago, first of all, people looked at me with long hair and tattoos and a cane, a bongo under one hand and a cane in my other. And I said, well, who is this guy? Why should we listen to him? <laughs> I, I didn't have any uh, background or authority, you know, to uh, to do what I was doing. And I would have to explain that. Look, just give me a chance. I'm, I'm here. <clears throat> give me an hour with your students and just see what's going on, you know. And after a few minutes, they're hooked. When they see that their students are able to count and spell and all these various things that they had not approached in their methodology, you know, 
they started looking at it differently. Yeah, this is fascinating. So basically, it sounds like you, the students are using their various senses, if you will, and translating that into helping them to learn how to count, how to spell, how to do math, how, what other things, what other lessons do you work on with the students in terms of the various um, uh, supports that you give them in terms of what they learn and at what level, how high do you go? I mean, what we've been talking about is very rudimentary. Do the lessons go into some of the higher levels to, to help the students continue to learn these things who perhaps have mastered the rudimentary levels? And I, and I also, I understand what you're saying about the in-person versus the uh, online and mm -hmm. how the in-person certainly might be a little bit different, but this does sound like something that could also be accomplished online if one had to. Uh, yeah, for yeah. sure. And it works. For me, uh, I love teaching. I love being with students. Last week I did an in-person. I've only just started doing in-person the last few months because the co I mean, I had to wait. We postponed the the uh, my most recent class which will be next week because they had two covid uh people and so we had to wait and i'll go back in on thursday if there aren't any new cases that came up so sure. but in person the thing about uh uh communicating with anybody i, I don't care wh whether you're neurotypical or, or you have a difference or developmental differences if if we can be you know, close to someone, especially our folks. They don't like to be that close. Not that, you know, the people that are close to them are normally their family or their parents or, you know, someone that they're very close to that they trust. So when I get close to them at first, I'll go, when, when there's a circle, I'll go around, I'll get right in front of them and very close to them. And at first they kind of back off and then they wonder, wow, this guy's okay. You know, mm -hmm. and once I can gain their 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 trust, their their respect in a way, then I can teach them. Mm -hmm. And the, the methodology does incrementally get a lot more involved. So we start with a with a, a quarter note that's that's conventional, and that turns into a lot of different things. We use the quarter note uh, to identify everything in the book. But the quarter note might turn into, uh, uh, you know, different shapes. So where I would have four quarter notes on four drums, I may have a star, an oval, a triangle, and a circle. And then you'll tell me, what, what is that shape? Well, it's a star. <laughs> when I first started this program, I was trying everything. I had two kids. One was 12. I still know them. One was 12, she's 30 now, and the other was nine years old. They both had autism. And uh, I said to, uh, her name was Sailor, and I said, Sailor, how many uh, angles in a star? She said, 10. I said, no, it's five. One, two, three, four, five. She said, no, Eddie. And she counted out and showed me how one, two, three, how there were 10 sides to the star five points and then she was like do, do, do you have that you know? <laughs> she taught the teacher 
There you oh, go. Oh, was great. Yeah, <laughs> I wrote it down. You know, I never forgot it. I always tell this story because we, boy, I, I love this population. And autism is fascinating, fascinating to me. So this sounds like a program that really does address the rudimentary and the more advanced levels on a number of a number of different topics. Is that correct? Yes, reading, writing, arithmetic, social skills, creative thinking. Uh, it really addresses uh, more than uh, what meets the eye. I just wrote uh, an article for Helen Magazine. It's a new magazine out of Chattanooga. One of my board members uh, is the editor. And uh, the article talks about that. Don't sell the program short by looking at pictures. You know, people will say, look at the website. And they go to the website and they see a circle and somebody's teaching from the center of the room and or closely. And they think it's a drum circle. You know, and we're really not grasping any of the, the meat and potatoes of this. We're just bypassing it because we did, we looked over, we're, we're looking past it. So, yes, there are uh, many pages in the book and it incrementally grows more difficult, but staying with the theme for the most part. By the end of the book, it's it's like, you know, there's there's a trapezoid, uh, you know, uh, uh, there are several different uh, shapes and sizes and colors, you know, a pentagon, uh, a, tri a triangular. I got to tell you, one one kid in a class, uh, we're, we're introducing new new shapes, and I held up uh, a trapezoid. And I thought that's really hard, but why not? I mean, sometimes one time somebody asked me, "Why would you teach these people right away?" Mm. <laughs> why would you teach them? multiplication and i said why aren't you teaching them multiplication yeah that's right don't ask me that are you kidding me sometimes you get a little hot because it's just there's that kind of uh, ignorance it's it's ignorance really and it's, it's a mentality that we need to address and we need to change for sure so my student was there and i i held up uh a trapezoid, and I said, who knows what this is? And her, Aaron, her name, I saw her recently. This was 10 years ago. Eddie, I know, I know what it is. I said, okay, Aaron, what is it? And she stood up, she says, it's a rectangle, and somebody sat on it. <laughs> and everybody went, oh, you know, and I just went, you know what, you're absolutely right, dear. You're right. Yeah. But, you know, it... it it's actually called the trap. You know, we, 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 we told her what it really was. But so that's the other thing. There are no wrong answers. And there are accolades after every student, after every exercise. When a student gets one, two, three, four, the whole class. Yay! Fantastic. After every exercise. And if they get it wrong, yay! Nice try. Fantastic. So... There's that element of the program that it's fun. It's it's it encourages. It enables. You know, we have we have some sort of games we play too that are fun, but but the it, it does get pretty. Uh, you know, there's sign language. 
uh, by the end of the book, you're telling me this is a trapezoid. It's green. This is the sign for for green, you know, and uh, it it's a matter of uh, combining all these exercises and making them all adding a little bit something extra all the way through the book. By the end of the book, it gets pretty difficult. I've only been through the book with a, we did a class uh, where we did our peer study with 26 children with autism. And uh, we were we were uh, published in the journals of special ed. It's the only class I got through the whole book with, and it took the year. And I was the the teacher there. Uh, Denise Pinnell was a, a an autism specialist, and we worked together every week with those kids for a year, and we got through the whole book. But it's hard to do. It's hard to get through the whole thing. In in South America, I mean, you asked me about South America, they get through it. And they teach other teachers primarily. So that gives us a different level of, uh, of expertise to so begin. Where do you see this program going? Well, what about the future of TRAP? I mean, you seem, it seems to be in a lot of different places right now and going in various directions. It comes and goes for, for a lot of people. The problem, if, if we would call it that, a lot of uh, facilities... Uh, hire or they ask me to teach a couple of people who work there how to do it and uh you know i'm faced with this all the time and i'll go in and it costs them money if they bring me there you know and i'll teach them for two or three days and then a month later they quit and and so the program kind of falls by the wayside i've always said that uh, we have never failed a student but uh, the student has never failed us, excuse me. The student has never failed us. We fail the students. If we're not there, if we're not enthusiastic about how we're teaching, if we don't uh, entice them to want to learn, it's, it's, it's not going to happen. What I would love to see in the future is uh, people like the people that uh, work with me in South America. After a couple of years, I decided we should rewrite the book in Spanish, but also from a teacher's perspective. How would a teacher describe this? Not me, but a teacher. And we sat for 10 days, me and four teachers, and rewrote the whole book. Basically, rewrote the whole book in Spanish and English. And from their perspective. So they added a lot of, uh, they talked about not only the pedagogy, but the the philosophy and the spiritual aspect of this program which i espouse in my teaching but i never wrote it down so now it's written down and it really does have that aspect it's big it's big in the rhythmic arts project the love the kindness the compassion how many people do that how many people you you know you have to love this population to work in it nobody's getting rich but the rewards are unbelievable, just unbelievable. I mean, sounds like a wonderful, wonderful program, Eddie. It really does. Uh, so, how can our listeners reach you if they have questions or if they want to know more about this program? The very best way is uh, the website, and that is trap learning, one word, T R A P L E A R N I N G dot org 
traplearning.org. And there you'll have addresses and phone numbers and whatever other contacting. And you can see what the program is. You can see a lot. You can read testimonies. You can see videos. You know, you can also see music. There's a lot of, I mean, all my musician friends, after I broke my neck, they all followed me into this other life. They're all there. I mean, hundreds of musicians have supported the Rhythmic Arts Project over the years. And I get to play drums. You know, they let me play. So that's fun. It's really fun for me. Well, thank you, Eddie, so much for your time and for sharing a terrific resource with us today. Okay, my pleasure. I wish we had another couple of hours. Uh, well, you are welcome to come back anytime. What are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> I'll let you know. <laughs> I'll let you know. <laughs> okay, bye. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast. You can find it on Apple iTunes, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other popular platforms. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can always access us and other great resources on our website, autismresourcepodcast.com. I want to thank our listeners for spending part of their day with us. This is the Autism Resource Podcast, and I'm Gilda Evans, reminding you to take care of yourself and that special person in your life.